Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. In today's podcast, I want to talk about something that is the heart of our ministry, and that is sanctification. A synonym for sanctification is transformation. Another phrase for that is how can I change? We're in the change business, not that we can change anyone. We can't, but we can water and plant and pray that God gives the increase. But the primary thing that we are about is a transformation community. We help people change. That's why people come to us. They come to us with personal problems that they want to work through. They come to us because they're in some kind of relational situation. They have some kind of challenge in their life, and they just want advice. They want direction. And so what we do is we provide advice to folks who come, and anyone can do that no matter where they live around the world. As long as you have access to the Internet, you can access us. We are a 24-7 shop. And that's why I tell people sometimes when they ask, well, hey, what is it that you do for a living? I say, well, we have a sanctification center that we have shoved up in cyberspace so folks can can come from around the globe and come into our big box store, so to speak, our cyber store like Best Buy or a super Walmart center. And you can peruse the shelves and consume all you want is free just come in and and help yourself and then sometimes people need guidance they need direction hey i read this article on this and uh, could you help unpack this just a little bit more to my situation situation specifically and so that's what we do and so what i try to do is to write articles that are relevant practical make sense they resonate with people and one of the wonderful things that we receive every day, especially through our social media platforms, is affirmation that we're hitting the nail on the head. And thank you for your encouragement. But we want to continue to do that. And that's what this podcast is about. I want to come alongside you. I want to give you something that will help you in this change process because you're just like me. You're not perfect. You still have issues in your life. You're not entirely sanctified. And so I have an article here. It's titled, Eight Sequential Steps to Change Yourself. And I hope that you can read this article and benefit from it. I hope this podcast that you're listening to will be a wonderful benefit for you. I've also created a poster that you can use that lays out these eight steps and you, you can print this poster out. You can share it. What I did with one of my posters is I, I sent it to a local printer and asked them, would you make a banner out of this poster, a vinyl banner? This is our Doctrine of Repentance poster, not the one in this podcast and article, but another one, the Doctrine of Repentance. And he made it into a nice vinyl banner, and I've used it to uh, walk our children through. You can put the, we put it up on the wall and walk through the 13 steps of repentance. And you can do that with this poster. You can put it on your wall. You can share it with a friend. You can, of course, I want you to benefit from it. And so with this podcast, the article, the poster, I have three embedded links of other articles that you can read. This is our goal. It's our hope. It's our privilege. It's our joy to come alongside you and to help you change. So I hope that this is a benefit for you. 
Did you know that every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? It's how our ministry is set up. As I said earlier, anyone can access our uh, sanctification center as long as they have the ability to get on the internet. This year, we'll reach over 1 million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that number continues to increase as it has Every year, every month, we're reaching more people than we did the previous month or the previous year. Our ministry is growing in a wonderful way, and we help these people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. Through the written resources like this article, audio broadcasts like this podcast, equipping videos, interactive forums, the Lord is impacting lives through this work. Will you partner with us to help us continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You can donate or become a supporting member of our community by going to our website. For as little as $5 each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. If you are a local church, would you support our missional endeavors? Would you come alongside us so that we can reach a million more people with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ? Whatever you can give to help this ministry, it will change many lives by the grace of God. Thank you so much. This podcast is titled, Eight Sequential Steps to Change Yourself. One of the most blessed things about the gospel is the transformation that it brings to us. And of course, one of the most challenging things about the gospel is how Many Christians find authentic and sustainable change elusive, and it is, and that's why that's the heartbeat of our ministry. I did a podcast recently on uh, the Great Commission, and I talked about the four aspects of the Great Commission, going, penetrating the culture, converting. As God converts, we baptize them, and then we teach them all that, that God has taught us, and then we send them back out. Those are the four aspects of the Great Commission. And where we land on that uh, Great Commission uh, job description is the sanctification part. What we do is we teach people all the things that Christ taught us, and that's what we want to do. That's where we land on the Great Commission. But And we do that because some Christians find it difficult to change authentically and in a sustainable way. And and so I want to walk you through eight sequential steps to long-term effectual change. But before I do that, I want to address two critical stumbling blocks that commonly interfere with the Christian's hope for change. The first one is acknowledging personal brokenness. If you can't acknowledge personal brokenness, you will not get to the place where you need to be in order order to change. You've got to admit it. You've got to confess it. You've got to own it. You've got to come to that place where you recognize that you are broken inside. You're not self-reliant. You're not Superman or Superwoman. And the second thing is understanding that we cannot change ourselves. And so you acknowledge that you're broken inside. And this sounds awful on the front end, but of course, that's why we have a gospel And so you acknowledge that I'm broken, and then you understand that you can't change yourself. Now, that brings you to the very bottom. 
that's the face plant. That's that's where you're you're at that point to where I'm I'm messed up. I cannot fix myself, and that is the perfect fertile ground for change to happen. One of the healthiest perspectives that you can have about your life is your weaknesses, your imperfections, and your faults. Now, I realize what I just said flies in the face of our longstanding cultural worldview that teaches the path to freedom is through the doors of self-actualization and self-esteem. The pursuit of self-actualization and high self-esteem are at the heart of the American psyche. There's probably not another culture in the world that has a more elevated view of themselves than the American culture. We are stuck on ourselves. We are a privileged lot. And I don't want you to be guilty or feel unnecessary guilt about the blessings of being born in America about living in America, but it does come with its problems. Self-esteem is the call to esteem yourself as being something special. Of course, in the book of Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. That thought of esteeming yourself more than others, when practicalized, is supposed to be the secret sauce that unlocks the door to your best life now. It doesn't. The biblical record could not be more antithetical to the self-esteem gospel. The message of the Bible is that even though God made us in his image, we chose to taint that image to the point to where we are corrupt entirely The biblical language for this is total depravity. Listen to Ephesians 4, 17, 18, 19. Paul said this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And then he begins to explain how the Gentiles walk, he says, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous, and they have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. There is nothing in that paragraph that is glamorous, nothing you want to write home to mama about. He says that before we come to God, he's talking to Christians in the book of Ephesians, and so he's telling these Christians don't walk like the Gentiles, and he describes how the Gentiles are and how we were before we came to Christ. Futile, a futile mind, darkened understanding, alienated from the life of God, ignorance that is in us, hardness of heart, callous, giving ourselves up to sensuality, greedy, practicing every kind of impurity. There is, that could not be farther from this idea of self-esteem. Now, the theological term for our condition is total depravity. We are pathetically and irreparably broken. That is who we are before regeneration, and as odd as it may seem, that perspective is the perfect beginning for your best life now. To know and affirm that you are without hope, 
separated from salvation, and entirely unable to change how you are is one of the most significant self-reflective thoughts that you could ever make about yourself. It is true that our culture knows they need deliverance from something. Where we disagree is the path and method that brings this liberation. The culture prefers to pursue personal godness, as though being autonomous and self-reliant are the ways to their best lives now. The biblical record could not disagree more. The path to success, I'm talking about biblical success as Joshua talked about in Joshua 1.8, that path to success is through death, not life. Being aware of the need for deliverance is a great start, but it will be a dead end and disappointing road if your deliverer is not the Lord Jesus. So even the culture, as I said, they are aware that they need to be delivered from something, but because they refuse to start at the right place, they, they will never be delivered. They will be like blind men and women groping in the dark. And so here's a self-reflective thought for you. As you think about your life, what has been your primary means of saving yourself from yourself? Are you an adherent to the self-esteem gospel? Or would you characterize yourself as a practitioner of the gospel-centered life, which says, in part, that you're depraved entirely? A great way to answer the questions that I just asked you is by how you respond to this question. Are you free enough to be vulnerable, transparent, honest about who you are? If you are not free enough to be vulnerable, transparent, and honest about who you are, you're still not at the right place. The gospelized person has nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to defend. Why? Because the gospelized person knows that the worst possible thing said about him or her happened from the cross. An excellent book on this is The Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. I just paraphrased some of his thoughts from the primer. The death of Christ is the loudest proclamation ever made about our patheticness. And with the worst thing that could be said about you already broadcasted to the world at the cross, you no longer have to pretend you are somebody that you are not. A worldview that is at the heart of the self-esteem movement, pretending that you are somebody that you are not. If your ultimate goal is to be safe, to be secure, to be free from all present and future harm, There is only one way to find such freedom. God is your deliverer. Your methods for deliverance have never been able to hold water for long. Jeremiah 2.13 For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Principles, inspiring quotes, and a bucket load of good habits will not save you. Though you can have temporary relief and even short-term behavioral change through worldly wisdom, 
transformation into a new creation does not happen without the empowering and transformative work of God in your life. The requirement is on you to relinquish your rights to yourself while asking the Lord to do what you absolutely cannot do under your strength and your wisdom. Continuation down a path of self-reliance, self-serving, self-preservation is a march into a more profound darkness that will further entangle you into enslaving habits of the mind and body. Embracing weakness and death is a worldview that is too hard for high self-esteemers to grasp. The high self-esteemer lives in a world that feeds the insatiable desire to be somebody. Let me give you a quick peek into that world. They buy clothes to present themselves in a way that they want folks to see them. They watch their likes on their favorite social media sites because they crave acceptance. They disguise who they are while ignoring the real truth about themselves because the culture tells them that it's unhealthy to their psyches to think otherwise. They carefully script their lives into an image for public consumption, hoping that imitation garners appreciation. If an individual persists in these practices, and there's many more, and I'm sure you can think of your own, of your, of your own or add to this list, but if they continue in these practices, they will form strongholds that will be almost impossible to defeat. That plan and path to freedom is not freedom at all. It's a life sentence with no chance of rescue. Only God can set the captive free. The title of this podcast is Eight Sequential Steps to Change Yourself. I've given you the introduction here, and I preface the introduction by uh, challenging you with these two stumbling blocks that keep us from the hope that we need for change. One is acknowledging personal brokenness. You have to own it. You have to come to the conclusion, come to the place where you want to be vulnerable, open, honest, transparent about who you are. I acknowledge that I'm broken. Number two is understanding that you can't change yourself. Only God can set the captive free. Do you believe that you are broken and entirely unable to help yourself? Do you think that you need God to change you? Do you think that all the self-help and self-esteem in the world will not transform you from the inside out? If you believe these things are accurate, you're on the right path. A path that begins with the grace of God, which is the unmerited means that escorts you to the starting blocks of change. Now, I have eight steps here that will help you change your life. The best way to work through these steps is with a trusted and competent friend. I want to ask you some questions. I've attached two questions to each step. I will give you the step. I will give you the two questions for you to reflect upon. These questions, they're honest, brutally honest, no doubt. But if you're serious about change... You're ready. Now, what I want you to do is to find a friend and get to work. I also want you to take a look at this infographic. This will be helpful for you to see it visually. In fact, it would be great if you're in a small group that you pull up this article or at least pull up the graphic 
and then you have these questions that I'm going to ask you, and you all work through them. You probably, if your group is open, honest, transparent, vulnerable, willing to be weak, if they have nothing to hide, nothing to fear, nothing to defend, nothing to protect, if your group is like that, it might take you several meetings to work through this, but it could be amazing if you will do this. Eight steps to change. They are in sequential order. They happen in this way. Step number one is grace. God's unearned, empowering favor in your life. Grace is empowering favor. Grace empowers you. It is God's gift to you that he gives you so that you can do what you need to do. Without grace, you can do nothing, and so grace has to be step one. It's like in our salvation. God's grace comes to us and awakens us so that we can respond in faith and repentance. And so step one is grace, God's unearned, empowering favor in your life. Here are your two questions. Number one, are you indeed at the end of yourself? Like Luke 15, 17, when the prodigal son face-planted in the hog lot, he came to the end of himself. You will know if you are at the end of yourself by how you progress through these next seven steps. Are you indeed at the end of yourself? Number two, do you believe you are worthless? Now think about that for a second. I'm quoting scripture here. This is what Paul said in Romans 3.12. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now that, to the cultural ear, to the secularized ear, those are that's a harsh word. But within context of what Scripture is teaching, you have to come to that place. Are you indeed at the end of yourself? Question one. Number two, do you believe you are worthless. It's a biblical word. You'll have to take it up with Paul. Step one is grace. Step two is the gospel. God's power to bring change to your life. And so grace gives you the ability to move forward. The gospel is the power. It's waiting on you. If you're at the end of yourself, you believe that you are worthless, you are broken before the Lord, the gospel is there, it is his power to change you. The question is, the questions are, number one, are you convinced that only God can change you? And number two, are you willing to allow him to have his way with you? And so you're at the end of yourself, you're experiencing the empowering grace of God. God begins to unfold the gospel to you. He wants to give you his power, power to salvation, power to sanctification. It could be that an individual listening to this podcast is not a believer. That's fine. This process is the same for the believer and the unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever, you haven't been born again, then are you indeed at the end of yourself? And do you believe that you are worthless according to Romans 3.12? There is grace for you. And the next thing that you're going to experience after that grace is the transformative power of the gospel. As he says in Romans 1.16, it is the power of God to salvation. 
Are you convinced that only God can change you? Are you willing to allow him to have his way in your life? If you are, step one, grace. Step two, gospel. Step three, humility. This is the fertile ground upon which the gospel will do its work. You will know if you are humble by, by how you answer these two questions. Are you broken enough to be vulnerable? And are you broken enough to be transparent? Humility. God gives grace to the humble. And so you could say that steps one, two, and three, they are, they are working together. There's a logical order here. God gives you the grace. The gospel begins to come into your life. And now are you humble? Do you want to receive what God wants to do in you? Remember, the opposite of humility is pride. And if you are not humble, then God is a warring army against you. He is opposing you, according to James 4, 6. Are you broken enough to be vulnerable? Are you broken enough to be transparent? That is humility, and if you are, you've got some really good things in store for you in your future. Step one is grace. Step two is the gospel. Step three is humility. Step number four is discernment. The ability to perceive the real truth about yourself. Because you want to receive God's grace, because the gospel is the power that's working within you, because of your humility, you're being vulnerable, you're being transparent, God gives you extraordinary discernment. This is spiritual discernment. The natural man cannot perceive the things of God, cannot discern the things of God. Here's the two questions with discernment. Do you know the real you? the whole truth about you, and are you willing to confess the whole truth about you? Discernment's imperative. And I'm talking about discernment, not discerning the world. Now, I'm not talking about discerning another individual. I'm talking about discerning yourself. Now, if the grace of God is working active in you, the power of the gospel is, is beginning to bring this transformation because of your humility, you now have a humble heart, God will give you that spiritual discernment to turn your eyes onto yourself and you can see the whole truth about you. You can see with a greater clarity. That's what humility permits you to do. Step number four is discernment. Number five is obedience. Now you see the real truth about you or you're beginning to see the real truth about you. Step five is obedience. It's a desire to follow through with the Spirit's illuminating instructions. Are you willing to act on whatever it takes to change. Question two, are you willing to revisit your obedience every day? Now that's important because typically in most of our problems, it's not a one and done deal. Typically with our sin patterns, we need to revisit our obedience every day. And if God gives you the spiritual discernment to see yourself clearly, and you're, you're going to accept the whole truth about yourself, you're going to confess the whole truth about yourself. Are you willing to act out in obedience? And are you willing to come back to it over and over again? Sometimes people will confess whatever fault or imperfection or sin or whatever it is in their lives, but they don't push it through. And it's almost like confession takes care of it. No, it doesn't. Confession is an aspect of repentance, but it's not totally repentance. And you'll have to come back over and over again Step number five is obedience. Step number six is perseverance. The grace empowerment to stay on the course. Question one, will you secure help from your friends so you can stay the course? 
Question number two, will you hold them accountable to hold you accountable to the process? Because here's the thing about our friends. You tell your, you confess something to your friend, you tell something to your friend, and they say, I'll hold you accountable. And I don't know what the statistics are, but more than likely they won't. Most of them won't. They forget about you after a while. And the onus is on you to make them hold you accountable. And this is what I tell people regularly. You'll have to hold your accountability partner accountable if you want to be held accountable because they will not hold you accountable unless you hold them accountable. You have to persevere. Don't blame other people. Don't be petty and immature by blaming other people, blaming the church because they didn't do this, blaming somebody else because they didn't help you through this. No, it's on you. You stand before Jesus. You do what you have to do, and you get the help, and you you bring them in, and you make them hold you accountable. Step number six is perseverance. Step number seven is gratitude, the heart that cannot be silent about God's good work. Will you make a gratitude list and add to it each day? Question two, will you share with one other person what the Lord is doing in your life? And then finally, step number eight is exportation. The person who wants others to know, to feel, to experience a similar transformation. Will you ask the Father to bring at least one person to you so you can disciple them? Will you begin helping them to experience what you are experiencing? I'm talking about eight steps to change. Number one, grace opens the door to everything else. Step two, the gospel. That is the power. Step three, humility, your heart condition. Step four, discernment. Five, obedience. Six, perseverance. Seven, gratitude. Eight, exportation. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net. RickThomas.net.